back. In all likelihood, um, that opening was slightly different than it was before, uh, just because ah, I was trying to make it a little bit better. Plus, after I rearranged the books to make it a little bit more correct, um, the Tipitaka or Tripitaka, it turns out, both are correct. Tipitaka is Pali language, and Tripitaka is Sanskrit. So I wasn't wrong when I said Tripitaka. That's a relief. I was. Uh, there were a few mental typos um, in uh, in yesterday's. At one point, I said Tirtankara when I should have said Tipitaka or Tripitaka at the end, um, and then repeatedly I got. Katorvisa Tistava wrong. Like multiple ways, wrong in multiple ways in a row, talking as if with some authority, like, yeah, it's pronounced Katistava, you know, Kathava, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, yeah, candle, a little different. How's everybody doing? This is episode 20 of the Jay and Sutras podcast. I mean, the Jay and Sutras uh, portion of the Edward Reeves Buddhist Books podcast. If this is your first time seeing me, click here. That'll take you to the uh, playlist for those on YouTube. Um, and you can start with episode one, Dhammapada, part one. It's a good place to start. And for those of you who are here for the Jainism, but you're a little unclear about why it's on a Buddhist books podcast, then click here, start with episode one. Okay, let's get right to it, shall we? Just to be different. Okay. Well-being and meditation. The Katarvisa Tistava Sutra mentions the phase Aruga, which means well-being, or being free of disease. This is also of two kinds. Oh, real quick, real quick. Um, now, I will be excited to see how this unfolds, but it's very interesting to me that um, Tirtankara, as we learned yesterday, means religious ford, and ford means like a, a part of an ocean that where there's like a current that'll carry you to the other side. And for those of you familiar with the Heart Sutra, you might already know what is blowing my mind. Um, going to the other side, to the other shore, means attaining nirvana in Buddhist metaphorical speech. So, gyate, gyate, hara, gyate, uh, you know, um, the rest of it <laughs> means uh, gone, gone to the other shore. And it's like the really exciting part of the, Hari, you know, of the Heart Sutra where it talks about gone thoroughly to the other shore, enlightened. So it's interesting to me in my, um, you know, noticing, searching for... You know, if you've seen episode one of the Jain Sutras and you know that, uh, you know, I, I'm positing a connection. I mean, I'm sure there's certain phrases that aren't just from Jainism, but maybe 
it's a commonly used phrase in India in general or Bihar in general, like how, uh, you know, there's these biblical phrases or Shakespearean phrases in English that someone in a movie in 1950 might make reference to and then someone else in a different movie in 1980 might make reference to and someone would be like, ah, they got that from the movie in 1950 and someone aware of, you know, uh, English you know, language and how it developed might be like, you idiot, no, actually it came from Shakespeare or it came from Kajev, King James Version. Um, so it might be something like that. But I find it very interesting that Tirtankara means, and he was saying, I believe Ford makers or Ford founders, the founders of the Ford, the ones who created the current in the ocean that someone can just kind of ride behind them and go to the other shore. And that concept existed in the very name, Tirtankara, which was the name given to the 24 uh, great spiritual beings in the Jain tradition. And then used in Buddhism, the concept of getting from one shore, which is mundane life, uh, the wheel of samsara, across the ocean all the way to the other shore and attaining nirvana. I just wanted to share that because it blew my mind. I don't know if it's blowing yours the same way. Sometimes when when something is explained, it's like explaining a joke or something, and it, it, there, there's no laughter involved. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Just thought that was cool. All right, back to the text. <clears throat> uh, well-being or free of disease. This is also of two kinds. Physical well-being dravya arogya, and mental well-being, bhava arogya. The former refers to a state where the body is free of diseases. The latter means to be free of karmic disease and to become emancipated. The self-being in a state of well-being. End of sentence. All right. Um, in this sutra, the reference is to bhava arogya. Now, which one was that? Mental well-being. Okay, got it. That does not imply that the aspirant must be negligent of his physical well-being. Physical well-being is a prerequisite that can help us on the path to mental and spiritual well-being. First Selator, then the Orcus, right? Uh, the term... Samahivaramutamam has a very deep implication for samadhi or meditation. It is a profound term in the philosophical realm. The great commentator Yasovijaya has stated that as you go deep into meditation, the distinction between the dhyata or meditator, dhyana, act of meditation, and dhyaya, the goal of being meditated upon, dissipates to merge into the pure form. Such a state is dhyana, samadhi, or superconsciousness. Svarupamatra, near basam, Samadhidriyanameva he. That comes from Divatrisika 24 slash 27. 
How the lofty, thank you, how the lofty is the flight of thought in how lofty is the flight of thought in this sloka without an exclamation point, which presents such a great ideal of samadhi. Patanjali, the great commentator of yoga, seconds the views of Yaso Vijaya. Lord Mahavir explained samadhi as being of ten kinds, five great vows or mahavratas, and five regulations or simitis. Sasaviha samahi penata tanjaha panaivayao vera manam from Stananga Sutra 10 slash 3 slash 11. The common meaning of samadhi is concentration of self. When the inner mind of the aspirant turns away from disturbances and becomes one with its adopted austerities without any trace of passions, then it reaches the path of samadhi. This samadhi elevates a person, purifies the inner self, and brings equanimity amidst happiness and sorrow. And in fact, in every situation of life, once the soul reaches this great height of samadhi, it will never fall again. There are those who pray with the wrong intent there's like these early Christian uh, documents. Uh, Dear Virgin Mary, Mother of Christ, make my enemy sterile. You know, like what? Make that woman, you know, like it's really weird, weird stuff. So yeah, from a certain point of view, those, uh, those counsels were useful or necessary. But don't tell the Gnostics that. They'll get their panties in a bunch gender-neutral panties, of course. Um, some pray for a wife. Some for wealth. Guilty, both accounts. Some for a son. Others for fame. Please, guys, share and subscribe. Just kidding. Um, some pray for victory over their enemies. Yeah, I used to be part of a cult when I was a child. And uh, I was told that I had to pray for victory over our collective enemies, which, by the way, were the enemies of Christ. So if you were wondering why I don't just go find a teacher or join a temple, and why I'm taking this long roundabout way of reading all the books myself, uh, the answer is trauma. Anyway, um, some pray for victory over their enemies and even for their destruction. Writing a book called The Esoteric Nerd, by the way. Keep an eye out for it. I don't know when it's going to come out. I'm writing it slowly because I'm not diving in all the way at any one time. I'm diving in for 15 minutes to write part of a section of a chapter and then turning off the computer and doing something else. That's how I'm approaching it for reasons, which you might imagine. Okay, this is neither here nor there. 
But yeah, as far as praying for victory over enemies, yeah, I've done that, but not with sincerity. Maybe maybe there was a period where I was sincere. I think I was probably about 21 or 22 or 20, somewhere in there. I think I was like fooling myself. I was, you know, when you when you want to try to believe something for others and you make yourself convinced or you act like you're convinced that you believe it and you shush the voice deep down that's like, hey, that's stupid, you know? So, yeah, learning things the hard way. I think sometimes when I see other people doing that, it bothers me, and that's why. That's good to know. Yeah, people, you know, it's that whole shadow thing, uh, loosely speaking. Um, what you, What annoys you the most in others is the thing you don't like about yourself. And sometimes it's how you behaved when you were younger. So like older people, when they see younger people behaving a certain way, they're like, oh, you're so stupid. Because it reminds them of themselves when they were doing the same thing when they were younger. Anyway, sorry, this is a sidebar. Not related directly. Some pray for victory over their enemies and even for their destruction. And pray ardently for this. Sometimes even cutting themselves and putting blood on the Imperator's sword. Anyway, um, according to Jainism, such prayers are an insult to the Tirtankaras. I'm really sorry to have insulted you guys. Okay. All right. Uh, who have conquered attachment and aversion. One should ask that, that which is worthy of the deity. Otherwise, it is akin to discussing sensuality with sages and religion with an atheist. There are directions I could go in both of those, but I won't to save time. And they're not very interesting, I don't think. The beautiful idealness of Jaina prayer is that we pray for the liberation of our souls. Samahi varamutamam dintu. Siddhas are for guidance, not granting. The final phase of this sutra, which needs to be reflected upon, is Siddha Siddha Mama Disantu. <clears throat> Some aspirants question that if the Siddhas have renounced everything and are not doers of any action, how can they grant us anything at all? He went over this earlier, but let's see what he says. Maybe it'll be different. The answer to this is that although the Siddhas are not doers, it is by their support and blessings that a devotee can achieve everything he desires. It is not the Lord who helps us accomplish, but the faith of the devotee. Yeah, that's what he said before. I mean, bears repeating. Important things. Good to repeat, right? All right. In the language of devotion, it is the duty of the devotee to prostrate at the Lord's feet. I'm not going to do that again. That hurt. Um, <clears throat> such an act destroys the ego and awakens the power of faith and respect in the Lord. 
Sviat, 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 Gospod For my Russian buddies out there. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> a correct interpretation of this prayer would be, by the support of the Siddhas, may I accomplish, rather than, may the Siddhas grant me accomplishment. This prayer has <clears throat> transformed into a, a bhavana, or contemplation, in recent times. Such contemplation is considered as the right principle in Jainism rather than something negative. The Lord is considered the charioteer of our life. Can I be the horses? Just kidding. Um, the charioteer knows the path, but the war has to be fought only by the warrior. What does Krishna do in the battle of Mahabharata? He takes a vow. Arjuna, I am only your charioteer. I will not lift any weapon. So use your weapons to protect yourself. This is the same ideal of the Jayana Tirtankaras. They have also <clears throat> shown us the path and handed the weapons of austerities in our hands. Thus, our accomplishments depend solely on our actions. Differences in text. In the phrase... Kitiya Vandiya Mahiya Akharya Hemachandra has also mentioned the word Maya instead of Mahiya, thus leading to the meaning by myself. Thus the phrase would mean worshipped and prayed by me. Maya iti patantaram tatra mayaka maya from Yoga Sastra, 3 slash 124, Final section. The karmic blemishes. And finally, Akarya Hemachandra sheds light on the phrase Vihu Yarayamala, which means the Siddhas are free of karmic bondages and sinful blemishes. The phrase has the words Raja and Mala. Raja refers to karmas such as 1. Bahyamana karmas, which bind the soul. 2. Badha karmas, which can be shed by austerities such as Alokana. Paschatapa and Pratikramana. And 3. Aryapata karmas that have been accumulated by the yoga of body, mind, and speech, but are devoid of passions. Mula refers to one, purva, bada, karma, which means <clears throat> previously accumulated karmas. Two, nikachita karmas, which cannot be shed without undergoing their efforts. And three, Samparayika karmas tainted by passions and have been accumulated by the yoga of body, mind, and speech. Rajaska malam cha rajomale vidute 
compite ane kartatvada panite va rajomale yaiste vidhutarajomala badyamani manam cha karma raja Parvavadam tu malam tava badham rajo nikachitam malam atava aryam patam raja samparayikam malamiti from Yoga Sastra 3 slash 24 Svopanya Virti this Katurvisatistava Sutra must be read in the yogic posture of Jina Mudra. If read in any inappropriate posture, one will not gain complete joy from it. Uh, future Edward, can you show us Jina Mudra? Okay, cool. Thank you. Now they know, and uh, and you know, and future me knows, but I don't know. Um, because we ended a little bit early, it occurred to me that I I have two more. You remember flowers in space? Some of you might remember that. What it is is uh, this these four books right there. Um, you might notice Shobogenzo go by toward the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end of these episodes. Um, there were certain chapters of those, certain lectures that Dogen gave that really kind of bah, made me go, whoa. And so, but he talks a lot and he, he you know, says a lot of stuff and he goes into this and that. He's sort of like me a little bit, I mean, as far as the talking. Um, so what I did... Uh, one of my teachers, Gordon, I've talked about before, he used to try to get me to write haiku or haikus in order to distill my thoughts down from one long rambling thing into 17 syllables. And so kind of in the spirit of that, I, uh, I took these lectures and cut everything except for certain phrases. So in other words, they're poems written by Dogen accidentally, you know, inadvertently, um, just certain phrases, lines, sentences, and words kind of cut out in order, in the order in which he said them. So I didn't add any words. I only subtracted words. And uh, so, so I, I made a video of one of them years ago, uh, which I played here at the end of one of the episodes. It was called Flowers in Space. I don't remember which episode it was. And right now, the reason, part of the reason I'm rambling is I'm trying to decide whether to recite for you um, the brightness or existence time. And as I say it, I realize existence time. We'll do the brightness another time. So, uh, yeah, we'll close with that. I'll say, I'll close and say goodnight, but then after that, instead of the ending credits, credits, the books, uh, it'll be a little video that I'll make today after now. Uh, to accompany the words that I'm going to recite now, which are the poem called Existence Time, which is really written by Dogen, but 
it wasn't a poem when he said it. Does that make sense? He was, a, he was a monk in the 1200s who went to China and stayed at a Soto Chan temple. And then after a few years, he came back and established Japanese Zen, basically, and gave a lot of lectures. And there, there they are, the Shobogenzo. I recommend it if you have the means to pick those up. Otherwise, we'll probably be getting to those around 2038 um, because we got a lot to read before we get to that. All right, so I hope you enjoyed the reading today. That was the end of that, uh, of the Katurvisatistava chapter. So we'll get to the next chapter next time. But for now, I give you existence time after the closing. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below. We send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time. Existence time. Sometimes standing on top of the highest peak. Sometimes moving along the bottom of the deepest ocean. Sometimes the earth and space. We can never measure how long and distant or how short and pressing. 12 hours is. The leaving and coming of the directions and traces of time are clear, so people do not doubt it. That does not mean they know it. Doubt is nothing other than time. We put ourselves in order and see the resulting state as the whole universe. Moment of time does not hinder moment of time. There are minds which are made up in the same moment of time. And there are moments of time in which the same mind is made up. Self is time. When we arrive in the field of the ineffable, there is just one thing and one phenomenon, here and now. Beyond understanding of phenomena and non-understanding of phenomena. Beyond understanding of things and non understanding of things. Real existence is only this exact moment. All moments of existence time are the whole of time. Let us pause to reflect 
whether or not any of the whole of existence or any of the whole universe has leaked away from the present moment of time. We should not learn that flying is the only ability of time. If we just let time fly away, some gaps in it might appear. Those who fail to experience and to hear the truth of existence time do so because they understand time only as having passed. To grasp the pivot and express it, all that exists throughout the whole universe is lined up in a series and at the same time is individual moments of time. Because time is existence time, it is my existence time. Human skin bags recognize time as leaving and coming. None has penetrated it as existence time abiding. Who can express the state of having already attained the ineffable? Even Bodhi and Nirvana are merely a form which leaves and comes. Existence time. Without any cessation of restrictions and hindrances, existence time is realized. Celestial kings and celestial throngs now appearing to the right and appearing to the left are the existence time in which we are now exerting ourselves. Elsewhere, beings of existence time, of land and sea, are realized through our own exertion now. The whole universe is neither beyond moving and changing nor beyond progressing and regressing. It is a passage from one moment to the next. The momentary passing of spring, for example, inevitably passes moment by moment through spring itself. All these situations are existence time. In accordance with this truth, the bright star appears, the suchness appears, the eye appears, picking up a flower appears, and this is just time. Sometimes the will is present, but the words are absent. Sometimes the words are present, but the will is absent. Sometimes the will and the words are both present. Sometimes the will and the words are both absent. The will and the words are both existence time. Presence and absence are both existence time. The moment of presence has not yet finished. Presence is not related to having come. And absence is not related to not having come. Existence time is like this. 
Presence is restricted by presence. It is not restricted by absence. Absence is restricted by absence. It is not restricted by presence. The will hinders the will and meets the will. Words hinder words and meet words. Restriction hinders restriction and meets restriction. Restriction restricts restriction. This is time. Restriction is utilized by objective reality. But restriction that restricts objective reality has never occurred. I meet with a human being. A human being meets with a human being. I meet with myself. And manifestation meets with manifestation. Though venerable patriarchs hitherto have each spoken as they have, how could there be nothing further to say? I would like to say the half-presence of will and words is existence time. The half-absence of will and words is existence time. When we experience coming and experience leaving, when we experience presence and experience absence, like this, that time is existence time.